Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. We are right in the middle of the holiday season, my favorite season and also my birthday season. And a lot of us might be spending time with family and friends, which can be overwhelming and intense in the worst and best possible ways. So this week, I wanted to bring someone on who knows all about love and healing, topics that are especially relevant at this time of year. Author Alex L. is truly an expert on the intricacies of love and has written some of the most impactful pieces that, to be honest, I wasn't ready to receive when I first encountered them. Love is such a dynamic word. It's an emotion. It's a verb. It's a state of being. And you watch it bloom and you mourn it when it's gone. And one thing that Alex made clear when we talked is that love is a work in progress, even for an expert like her. The giving was easy. The receiving was hard for me, and the self-love was hard for me. But when I realized that to love someone else fully for me, I know a lot of people don't agree with this, but this is a part of my truth. To love someone else fully and authentically and freely, I needed to also learn how to do that for myself. I needed to be willing to love myself how I so freely loved others. That was the biggest test. And I I needed to give myself permission to be loved. Love and the healing that often comes with it can feel so personal, so individual and intimate, but its ripple effects are generational. By doing the deep healing work for yourself, you become an example to others of what that transformation looks like. You're inspiring them to do better, reach higher, love themselves on a deeper level. And when we allow ourselves and others to see us reach our potential, We're creating our legacy. Even if they don't acknowledge that you're healing and changing, even if they're maybe making fun of you for changing or or, or being different, they see you. And that is the permission that we give people. See us glow. See us not stay stuck in darkness. See us rise up. And in our Sankofa moment, Alex wrangles a round table of authors to experience her 21st century Tea Tuesdays. Like, could you just imagine being at a table with them and like having tea and just being in conversation and like just having all that wisdom? Alex, I am so 
You know what? I I am blessed that you are joining me today on the pod. Um, some of my earliest memories of Instagram are of you and your healing quotes and thoughts on love and healing and life and just your vulnerability. And it's crazy because as I was prepping for this, I was thinking about that time in my life when I had kind of first um, become introduced to you. And I remember all of the beautiful things that you've always put into the world. I remember a time that it didn't penetrate, that I didn't get it, that I didn't understand it, that I didn't appreciate it. And so I just feel so blessed and honored to be in a season of my life where I get it. And I really honor the work that you do. And I, I respect the work that you do. And it's been incredibly healing for me over the years. So I just want to acknowledge you for that, Alex. You're just a gift. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here with you. Um, I love how you said that it didn't resonate at first. I get that a lot, actually. Like, mm. oh, I wasn't ready to receive that, but now I am. And wow, you know, and so as as a writer, as an author, as a teacher, like that is my biggest joy to be able to be like, okay, when you're ready, the message is here. Mm. And it's for you whenever yeah. you are ready. And so I'm grateful. Thank you so much. Of course, sis. Um, before we like get in, get into it, I want to start with an icebreaker question. Are sure. you down? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. What is the daily ritual that you're most proud of? Mm, my walks. I go on walks yeah. every single day. I've been walking consistently for almost 300 days now. And it has been my prayer, my mm -hmm. meditation, and my creative outlet to just be with the world, you know? Um, I did not think walking would change my life, mm. but it it has. And that is my that is my ritual that I do not miss rain or shine. I go. And how did you start? I started because I read this book called Do Walk by Libby Delena. Um, and I ended up stalking her on the internet <laughs> and deciding, I think I'm going to try walking. And mm. funnily enough, now we are very close friends. I actually just got back yesterday from visiting her. Oh, wow. And we, and we have a podcast together called This Morning Walk. And so <laughs> it is crazy how my life has just like emerged into like, oh my God, walking as meditation, as prayer, as all this Never knew it could happen. I, I often say like now walking feels like my clarity. Like mm. I go on a walk when I'm feeling easeful. I go on a walk when I'm feeling pissed off. I go on a walk when I'm feeling like stuck in my creativity. And it opens up this clarity that just is otherworldly. And it brings me back home to myself, mm. which is something that I didn't know I could experience just by going for a walk, you know? And so I've been doing that for almost a year now and it feels good. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you, if you could? Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. 
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know what, Alex? And I, I, I've been seeing this like walking initiative you've been doing in your life and obviously the podcast. And you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk every day. I'm going to take on the challenge because I genuinely love it. And it's something that I do. You know, I walk my dog and stuff like that, but I want to make it a part of my daily practice. Like no matter mm-hmm. what, how long do you walk when you walk? Um, it doesn't matter, to mm. be honest. And and I learned that from Libby. She was like, it's not about the distance. It's not about the steps. It's about the going, right? And mm. so normally for me, I try to do a mile. So a half a mile t- and then a, a half a mile back. Um, some days it's longer, you know, it, and it really just depends. But I go until I don't want to go anymore. And then I come yeah. home. Yeah, Because you know what I love about that too? Um Walking to me encourages mindlessness, which I think is a state of being that many people, many women, especially Black women, uh, feel like we don't have the permission to do. (laughs) We feel like we don't have the permission to just be mindless, to really Mm -hmm. sit on the couch or go on a walk or lay around, whatever, and just not do anything and just allow our thoughts to run or not run at all and just be Mm. turned off. And so Mm. uh, I love that we both have that experience with walking. I think that that's really beautiful. And I want to encourage, you know, our listeners to walk, just walk, get your body moving. Get your body moving. Yeah. Yeah, And I love how you just said like, permission to essentially do nothing. I just wrote an essay for my gratitude uh, weekly newsletter called Grateful for Doing Nothing. Mm -hmm. And it had a lot to do with what you just said, like giving myself permission to not always have to be doing, not always have to be making something and bringing something to fruition, just being with myself and maybe not having anything to do. You know what I'm saying? And like not trying to fill that time with something. Maybe it's well, rest. Maybe it's Well, let me breathing. ask you, Alex, um, how, um, how were you able to get to that place being a woman who truly has a husband, three daughters, businesses, podcasts, books, deadlines, deliverables? Like, how, how did you do it? Because I feel like what what I'm sure people are thinking is, yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, but would love to do it. Um, But how and when? And did you feel guilty when you did give yourself permission to do it? Well, here's the thing. I am still learning how to do it. Mm -hmm. So that essay that I wrote wasn't like, oh, here's what I learned. It was like, oh, this is really hard and I have been failing at it Mm -hmm. and I need to make time for myself um, because if I'm empty everyone around me is not going to get the best of me, right? And so, you know, I I also think I am learning how to dismantle this idea that me as a woman and as a Black woman needs to be 
constantly on the grind. Yeah. Like I, and and I don't have to be on the grind. Like it's no one is saying, Alex, you need to be grinding harder. It's me. And at the mm. end of the day, mm. I am so burnt out and worn out. It's like, this is not how I want to lead by example, right? So it's this constantly calling into myself like, hey girl, that's not working for you. And I think that that's really what growth looks like when we can call ourselves in and be like, mm-mm. We're not going back there or, oh, that needs to change, right? Yeah. So unfortunately, y'all, I have not figured out how not to, <laughs> but I am learning. And maybe that looks like, I, and I was reflecting in my journal, like, how do I make intentional space? Maybe that's penciling myself in again, like I used to do. You know, m- maybe it's really like, I don't know sitting and not doing anything for five minutes when my kids are at school. Like there's, there are ways for us to make time. We just have to be intentional about it. Oh man. Okay, Alex. So I want to start at the beginning. Uh, we're both from mm. Maryland. MD mm-hmm. honeys. I love it. <laughs> Does that need on a, need to be on a t-shirt? MD honeys. Oh my gosh. I'm making that for us. And Please. I'm sending you one. <laughs> I love it. So what I want to know is what did Maryland, our home state, give you? Mm, I have never thought about this. Mm. Wow. Um, So I don't think I appreciated this region until adulthood, Mm -hmm. right? So I think... What it's offered me is I'm in I'm in Montgomery County, Maryland, and we live on the more rural side. That's rural, where I'm from, from Gaithersburg. Okay, so, <laughs> so we live in Germantown, and yeah. so it is um, a little bit more green, a little less city, um, and I love being able to like go on my walks in our neighborhood. I love being able to witness the seasons. That's something I've always really, really adored about Maryland is like getting to experience all the seasons, especially fall. It is beautiful here. I think that it's actually, now that I'm talking through this, I think that it's really impacted my ability to to write about the hard stuff because the seasons of our lives is really reflective of like the seasons of this region. And so- Hmm. the fall is my favorite, you know, the, the death of everything. And then the rebirth comes spring. And then I love being able to like go to Butler's orchard and go mm. strawberry picking and apple picking with the kids. And so it's like, sure. I wasn't Mountain. here, you know, all, <laughs> like just everything, the Shenandoahs, like everything. And it's yeah. just like, wow, th- this is a beautiful place. And I did not realize how beautiful it was until I got to be grown. Growing mm. up, it was just kind of like, it is what it is, but I think it has truly influenced me um, to look at, especially the nature and things around me and be more present. Wow. That's a great I, question. Thank you. No, I <laughs> I agree, Alex. That's the thing I always talk about fondly um, when speaking about home are the seasons. The seasons are, they're so distinct in, in Maryland. I want to know, what are your earliest memories of being loved? That's a really interesting question because growing up, I didn't feel loved. Mm. And so actually, I actually talk about this in in my book, After the Rain, um, just about my childhood and 
how it took so long for me to figure out like what it meant to be held and to be loved um, and how I had to figure out love on my own, especially, you know, after having my first daughter, I, I just had to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I show up for this person and for myself in a way that no one had taught me? And so my earliest memory of, of really feeling unconditionally loved was when I met my husband and I met his mother. His mother was the first woman to make me feel worthy of love, even through my flaws and my disappointments in my, in my life. Um, she died six years ago, which was devastating, but she is the reason why I know love. Wow. And how beautiful that I'm assuming that's how your husband learned how to love, you know, from mm -hmm. a woman that offered you love mm -hmm. in a season that it seems like you didn't really expect it, but you really, really needed it. Mm -hmm. And for that Absolutely. love to be a part of his DNA and a part mm -hmm. of your children's DNA is, I mean, it's that's intense. just, that's intense. I know I just got chills. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. Wow. Wow, Alex. So did you, because love and feeling love in that way wasn't something that you grew up knowing at a young age, mm -hmm. how did you love others mm. before meeting her and, and your husband? I don't think I did. Mm. Yeah. I think I thought a lot of things were love that weren't. I thought dysfunction was love. I thought chaos was love. I thought heartbreak was love. I did not know love as this place of ease or rest or comfort or safety. And um yeah, it was it was really challenging for me to figure that out on my own. But when I did, and when it clicked, it was like, oh, this love should feel safe. Mm -hmm. Love should feel comforting. Love should feel um, rewarding and kind and patient. And love should hold us accountable. Like there's so many different things that love does that I wasn't experiencing, mm. you know? And so... Um, it was interesting but when it started to click, like, oh, love is supposed to be healthy, supposed to be fertile ground, right? It was wild. It was, it was a wild realization, like, oh, I have never really been loved like this before. Okay. So how old was Charlie when you met, who's your eldest daughter, right? Mm-hmm. How old was she when you met Ryan, your husband's mother? Four and a half. Four and a half. Mm -hmm. And do you remember a conscious click of how loving her changed after experiencing the love from that family? I think it just deepened my love with, with Charlie and for Charlie, because I had already chosen that I was going to love Charlie in a way that I was not loved. Yes. But what really clicked was how I was going to love myself. It mm. was easy for me to love this innocent child 
who deserves who deserves love and care and support. That was easy. The giving was easy. The the receiving was hard for me and the self-love was hard for me. But when I realized that to love someone else fully for me, I know a lot lot of people don't agree with this, but this is a part of my truth. To love someone else fully and authentically and freely, I needed to also learn how to do that for myself. Mm -hmm. I needed to be willing to love myself how I so freely loved others. And that was the biggest test. And I, I needed to give myself permission to be loved. I remember with Ryan, like there were so many times early on, we've been together almost 10 years now, which is wild to say, um, <laughs> time has flown. But I remember really early on, like not knowing what to do with the love that he was giving me, not knowing how to receive the love fr- from his mother. Like I remember really wanting to put walls up because for me, love has always felt, had always felt conditional right? It all had always felt like, I will love you if you do this. I will love you if you if you perform for me in this way, right? It was never, I will just love you. And so when I started experiencing that from him and his family, and they have a big family and I have mm. a tiny family. So it was me just too. like love from all corners of the, of the world. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this feels really overwhelming for me. And a big part of me wanted to be like, no, thank you. When were you able to not put the walls up? Mm. You know, what's so interesting. Sometimes I still catch myself putting walls up. I mean, it's different now because we've been together 10 years, right? And it's like, he'll tell me, you need to go ahead and put those walls down, you know, mm. bring it in, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, I think I think what's really important for people to understand, especially as we're healing and growing, is that there are always going to be things in our lives that are going to be hard for us to work through. When we are learning something new and learning how to experience something new, we also have to unlearn the conditioning that we experienced growing up. So if you were like me and you didn't experience feeling loved and held and safe, and now all of a sudden you have those things... It can be challenging to let yourself be in that, right? And so while I know that my walls can sometimes come up as a trauma response and a, and a defense mechanism, I also know the truth is that I'm safe and that I can put those walls down. And so I think when I learned that I was safe, not only with other people, but with myself, which was a work in progress, which is a work in progress. I've been able to receive and be in love and stand in love a little bit more easily. Ooh, I love that. I do. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I, I have two... Oh my gosh, Alex, you're just making my mind go all <laughs> these different places. You're just so amazing. But first thing I want to know is... You're a writer. 
And Mm -hmm. writing to me, even podcasting is extremely vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's just you. Especially if, like, you know, if if you're not someone who's, like, writing uh, fiction, you know, necessarily. Like, it's Mm -hmm. it's very personal. Uh, The thoughts and ideas that we say in our podcasts or in your books are just coming out of our own heads. And so I want to know, as someone who at times has had a lot of walls up, Mm -hmm. how have you been able to ease your mind or let down the walls when you have so much of you in the world? Mm. Cause I'm struggling with that. So I want to know how, and you, cause you've been doing it much longer than I have. So I truly want to know like sister to sister, how do you do that? Mm. Or how are you doing it? A lot of boundaries, mm. a lot mm. of boundaries. Um, sisterhood so sacred. I have a very small circle of sisters and they are, whew, they are a resting place. Amen. Um, and as, you know, as an author, my goal, I've been writing books for nine, 10 years. My goal with my work is to get other people telling their story. That is important to me. I mean, I, I I teach retreats, I teach coaching, I teach all these different things that are centered on writing practice. And not because I want people to go out and write books. I mean, if you do, like, amazing, that's wonderful. But I want you to write your story, own your story, and understand that you are not in this alone. Like, my job as as a writer and as a teacher is to give other people permission just by living in my truth. And I think that that is what people need more of. We need more folks who look like us, who are living in their authentic alignment and in their truth. And when we do that, we don't have to say much. People are bearing witness to us, right? And it's like, that is the permission. Um, and, and, and creating a safe space on the page for people to read and reflect on, but also for people to write. Like, how is this chapter of X book bringing you home to yourself? Can you see yourself in these words? If so, how? Like getting people to really think, I mean, about who they are, what they want, and how they want to live. I don't think we think enough about the legacy that we are going to leave behind. You know, and that is um, really, really important. Legacy, I talk about legacy a lot on here. And it's because to me, legacy is everything. Mm -hmm. Legacy is how I'm able to hold on to my purpose. Mm -hmm. Legacy is how I know everything I'm doing is not in vain. Legacy is how I know my future children will be okay. (laughs) Like it's, it is... And legacy, when we go back, really every generation, if you are a person of color, but especially if you are a perfect a person of African descent, mm-hmm. legacy is how we're here. They had to be thinking of us. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, they say we are ancestors' wildest dreams. They were thinking about the legacy. Mm-hmm. And that has to be the constant thought that we're walking around with is that 
you know, the truth is legacy just means it's bigger than us. It's mm. always bigger than me. It's always bigger than you, Alex. And mm-hmm. that's what keeps me going. It, it really mm-hmm. does. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have three beautiful daughters. That's legacy. Like how amazing. And they are holding generations inside of them. Mm-hmm. Like it's just amazing. <laughs> like life is just really beautiful. You know, something I've been thinking a lot about when it comes to legacy is preparing for joy. Mm. And being in joy. I think a lot of our work over the past many years has been dismantling, breaking cycles, healing, deep healing work, right? I know for me it was. And then I remember thinking a couple years ago in the thick of, of this pandemic, thinking like, what if you prepared for joy and created more space for joy, just as you are creating space for breaking cycles and for dismantling trauma. And I thought to myself, and I had actually had a conversation with Ryan. I was like, we are so much more than our trauma. I often say trauma is not our resting place. A big part of our legacy work is also bringing joy into play. You know, it's also bringing intentional rest into play. It's also bringing inner child work into play? Like, how do we nurture our younger selves? Like, there's so many different stepping stones. It's not just the deep healing. It's not just the um, trauma work. It's also the joy work. Like, that is also legacy, you know? And especially for our lineage. Like, I often look at, like, okay, our, our ancestors went through so much and we are still going through so much. How do we make them proud? And how do we make ourselves, how do we invite ease into our lives by being joyful? Yeah. And Joys. that can be hard. It can be very hard. Oh, my gosh, the hardest. <laughs> oh, right? my gosh. How do, you, uh, how do you find joy in the midst of so much sadness? How do you find joy when, you know, we know that oftentimes society looks at our people as less than still? It's 2022. How do you find joy in that? And I think the way we find joy in that is we look ahead and we look behind. We have to go both ways. We're sitting in the middle, right? So I can find joy because I know that I am not only my ancestor ancestors' wildest dreams, I am my mother's wildest dreams. Mm. I am my grandmother's. It's not, I don't even have to go that far back. And I will be, I'm putting into the world, into the universe, that I will be everything that my future children need me to be in order for them to continue the legacy. That Mm -hmm. is where I find joy, even in the midst of all the chaos in the world. That is something to be joyful about. And our children need to see us happy. Yeah. Our children need to see us liberated by joy. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I strive for as I create generational wealth is like, what am I making space for? And joy is on that list. Like our children are watching people. And even if we don't have children, like we have loved ones, people around us are bearing witness to our healing, our transformation, our growth, our so on and so forth. Right. So it's like, let's give people something to look at. 
Mm. That's more than just our pain and our sadness. You know, it's like, how do we also give ourselves permission to really root down into moments of joy, even the small ones? Even the small ones. Yeah. You have, I mean, you have so many amazing like pieces of work that I absolutely love. But After the Rain is really, really, really special. And it's After the Rain, Gentle Reminders for Healing Courage and Self-Love. What was happening before and during the rain? Hmm. That's a really good question. So After the Rain came out in 2020, and it's a it's part memoir, part guide, part meditation tool. And I told myself I would not write that book until I was at a place of acceptance in my life. Um, and I had been par- preparing to write After the Rain for many years, but just couldn't quite find the words, couldn't quite find the acceptance, the patience, the surrender, right? And so... A lot of things were happening. I was going through um, a lot of different transitions. I was dealing with a lot of my mother wound issues. Um, I was learning how to step into my purpose in a new way. I was battling with a lot of self-doubt and uncertainty. And after the rain was the gift of... Hmm. Writing that book was the gift of presence and like being able to look at everything, the good and the bad, and hold it with compassion and Mm. non judgment. Mm -hmm. It's also kind of a prayer to everyone's journey. Like it rains sometimes, it rains sometimes for a long time, but it will always, the sun will always rise. The sun will always come out again um, and the rain will stop, but it will co- it can come back again. It does come back again. So I think that it really is a prayer to the human experience of honoring every ebb and flow of our process and not judging it. Mm. Mm. So now we have your new book, How We Heal. Mm-hmm. How did we get there? Like, What was the healing process that you went through that got you to the book, How We Heal? I mean, I I feel like I will be a forever student of healing. And that book is really teaching other people to come home to themselves by way of writing practice. It's a guide for getting closer to your healing in a way that feels good and comfortable and safe. It also is a reminder that there is no one way to heal. And... And so I, I write this, I, I wrote that book with the idea in mind that I wanted to give people permission to see the different ways that we can heal. So it's not just my stories in there or my teachings in there. There is that. But then there's also a section called How They Heal. And I interviewed some amazing women from all walks of life, from therapists, artists, to Olympians, um, to public speakers, and they shared how they heal. And so it is this collection of community. It is a collection of teachings and it is a collection of, um, I would say, of of permission to show up 
and find your way to heal, right? Yeah. Because when we heal ourselves, we heal each other. When we heal ourselves, we heal our lineage. We often forget that healing is a communal act. It is not just solitary, which there is moments. I feel like there's moments of solitude and healing. There's moments of being in the middle of like kind of wanting to be alone, but also kind of kind of wanting community. And then there's this like, oh, I need my I need my community to hold me. Right. And so allowing ourselves to be fully human in our experience of healing and let people show up for us, especially when we are often told that we have to figure it out on our own. But it's like, how? We can't hold it all. It's impossible. We cannot hold it all. We need each other to heal. One of my favorite, I've only been married almost 10 months now. (laughs) Uh, Daryl and I have been together a while, but one of my favorite aspects of marriage, and I say marriage because I feel like we were able to unlock this in a different way once we were married, but is witnessing his healing. It is, and, and him encouraging mine in a way that only he can and only I can. That, because here's the thing, we were actually just talking about this the other day. As Daryl heals, we heal. As Daryl heals, he goes out in the world and is able to help somebody else heal better. Like you've said, it's community work. You've Mm -hmm. talked before, you've said that self-care is community care. It is, again, it's bigger than just you. Healing affects everything and everyone. And so witnessing his healing, becoming a better person, a better man, a a more self-aware person Mm -hmm. is breathtaking. It really is. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And, And as we heal, we give other people permission to do the same. That's what I, I talk to my students about that a lot. Like, listen, this may feel really lonely and isolating right now. You may feel like no one is seeing you. You may feel like you're the matriarch of healing for your lineage. You may feel like you're the only one in your circle doing the work. And you might be. But here's the beauty in that. People see you. And as people see you heal yourself They are going to get curious about what their healing could look like. I guarantee it. Even if they don't acknowledge that you're healing and changing, even if they're maybe, you know, making fun of you for changing or or, or being different, they see you. And that is the permission that we give people. See us glow. See us Mm. not stay stuck in darkness. See us rise up. That's important. Yeah. Like it really is. You know, the thought of leading by example. Yeah. Sometimes leaders, it's a must. And sometimes being a leader means you don't have any followers. That's the thing. You might look behind you and say, wait, where are the people? (laughs) Hold on. I thought I was, I thought I was doing something. You know what I mean? And then you'll look back and the people you thought might never come are following. And for me, Alex, that is a testament to who you are. I'm sure there were times that maybe you looked back and said, is this thing on? Do people get it? Are they hearing what I'm saying? Was I vulnerable enough? Was I transparent? Whatever it is. And then you looked back and said, I knew I shouldn't have doubted myself. 
Mm-hmm. This was on brand. This was on purpose. This was God given and I put it into the world. And whenever you do what you were led to do genuinely, you will never fail. I truly believe that. It won't look like the way you think it should look. Ever. But success (laughs) is always waiting for you. Mm -hmm. Alex, tell me, what has been your takeaway from our conversation today? That sisterhood is sacred. And that conversation is necessary for us to better understand each other and ourselves. Yeah. My takeaway is, honestly, it's crazy. It is, I need to lean in to the writer in me. Writing is something that people have always told me I was great at and I should explore. And I've always, I would literally say, No, I'll leave that to other people. So many other people are better at that than me. But what I'm realizing is that writing is truth. Writing is honesty. Writing is vulnerability. And those are all qualities that I possess and that I really believe in. And I'm a leader and I have things to say and it doesn't matter who follows or when they follow. Mm -hmm. I know that what I have to say means something and we'll be here long after I'm gone. So I just want to thank you for um, igniting the writer in me. I really, and I, like you said, I mean, that you mentioned, that's kind of part of your goal. You did it with me, sis. You did. Hmm. I'm excited to read your work and thank your book you. and all of the things that I hope you bring into the world. I mean, we really have to remember that we are the ones that we've been waiting for. Mm. We are. We are the ones. Mm. Okay, Alex. Well, listen, I am so incredibly full. You're a light. One of the brightest among us, truly. And I just want to thank you for the sisterhood. I cannot wait the next time I'm in D.C. I already told you I'm rolling up on you. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. We actually, we got to hang out in Montgomery County, which is my, that's really my like home, home, home. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. But I just want you to know, I love you. I honor you. And I just want to say thank you for saying yes, Alex. Mm, I love you too. Thank you for having me on this beautiful show that you've created. And I can't wait to see you. After the credits, Alex's go-to list of favorite authors she'd love to invite to Tea Tuesday. Stay with us. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lentigua. This episode was mixed by Kojin Tashiro. Managing producers are Camille Stennis and Paulina Velasco. Assistant producers are Michelle Baker and Shanice Tyndall. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you did, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you hear the next one. If you could sit and have Tea Tuesday with any writer from history... Who would it be and why? Oh, dang. Any? <laughs> can I have like a round table? Of course. Can I yes, name? you okay. can. Yes, okay. yes, you can. Okay. Round table would be Maya Angelou. Mm. Bell Hooks. Of course. 
Oh my goodness. Uh, Mary Oliver. Come on, Mary. Her her work is everything. Tikna Khan. Mm-hmm. Um Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Iyanla Van Zant. Yes. This is so good, Alex. <laughs> like, could you just imagine being at a table with them and like Alex. having tea and just being in conversation and like just having all that wisdom? I wouldn't even say anything. I would ask one question and just let let them just pour their their wisdom into my cup. Um, I'm obsessed. Oh my gosh. One more. Who else? Oh, Pema Children. She is my teacher in my head. Mm. I love her so much. Yes. You're putting us on to all sorts of people. Come on, Alex. Come on, round table. <laughs> this is amazing. Can we have a round table? Yes. Um, That's yeah, amazing. I, that, yeah. I would have tea with those folks. For okay. sure. I love it. Building a stronger financial foundation? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. You'll learn how the tools in your financial plan reinforce each other to help you minimize taxes and offset potential risks. Grow your confidence by strengthening your finances today at northwesternmutual.com slash goodplan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.